Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to the Colossians podcast. Over the course of 10 episodes, the staff team at Yarmouth Wesleyan will do a deep dive into some key passages from the book that you'll hopefully find helpful and engaging. So, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify as it helps us spread the word. Thanks again for listening and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Colossians podcast. This is uh, Brett, uh, one of the pastors down at Coastal Church. And I don't know about you, but I've been loving journeying through Colossians together. Uh, The reading plan, the sermons, this podcast, um, I've been learning stuff. I hope you have been too. And I'm excited just to dive into three verses in Colossians 2 that are incredibly profound. I hadn't focused on these in too much detail um, until I was asked to do a, a podcast on these specific verses. And man, there there is a lot in here. And so we're going to start right in. We're, I'm just going to read through it and then we're going to unpack it a little bit, talk about what this means for us. And we'll just be a few minutes, but I think there's some stuff in here that if we really uh, not so much take to live out, but take to embrace, uh, take and actually like let it, let the truth of these words seep deep into us, that the reality of what Paul is saying here would actually impact us at like at a core soul level. So that's my prayer for us today. There's some good stuff here. So we're going to be in Colossians chapter two, starting in verse 13, and I'm reading from the ESV. It goes like this, and you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So a pretty a pretty jam-packed set of verses there. And here's how I'd like to kind of break them down. And I did get this from from something I was reading. This verse, this set of verses basically breaks into down into we are alive, we are forgiven, and we are victorious. So we're going to kind of break it into that, but we're going to start right from the very, very beginning. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh. So right away, what does it mean to be dead? Because it doesn't mean that we are, are physically dead. But it does mean that we were spiritually dead. And the thing that's interesting is Paul could have said back when we were distant from God, back when we weren't living the right way, back when our lives weren't really as fulfilling or back when we were separated. But no, he says back when you were dead. So the, our spiritual state before we accept Jesus is not just so so mediocre it's not that like stepping into relationship with god is just a way to improve our life no it's actually far more significant than that it's actually that before jesus when we were still living in sin we were actually spiritually dead but fortunately the the verse continues and it says and you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh god made alive together with him so what does he mean? Well, God made alive together with him. Well, it's a reference back to his resurrection, Jesus' death and resurrection. 
And it's actually the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead that is the same resurrection power to take us from a state of, of being dead spiritually to a place of being alive. Uh, the verses before this talk about how we have been buried with Jesus in baptism. Like baptism is a symbol of of us actually dying to this old life, this old dead, dead spiritual life. This, this past life that was spiritually dead. We have died to that, but we have actually been raised then to new life through the resurrection power of Jesus. So apart from Jesus, we are spiritually dead. But the other piece that I think is important to note is that without Jesus, nothing can ever raise from the dead. See, it's only God who can raise the dead. And this might, you might think, well, Brett, this is completely obvious. Well, but think about it this way. If we were dead spiritually and God is the only thing that can raise the dead, then we are really quite stuck if it isn't for God. And I think a lot of the time we can look at our lives and we can look at maybe back even before we were saved when we were spiritually dead, or maybe you are in a place where you haven't accepted Jesus yet and you sometimes feel kind of spiritually dead. Often we feel as though there are things that we can do to make ourselves become alive. I know even, even I do this. There are things that like that I do because it's like that is that that thing is gonna give me life. That thing is gonna is gonna satisfy me. That thing is gonna be the final thing I need to feel fulfilled and satisfied and, and actually feel like I'm experiencing life at a deep level. But we were dead, and only God can raise us back to life. Only God can give us that 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 life that we crave so deeply. Only God can raise the dead. But we keep going. So God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now this is where the news gets gets really good. Is because what is this record of debt? Well, the punishment for sin is always death. The other thing I find interesting is that the consequence for sin, like the natural outcome of sin, is always death. If you go right back to, to Genesis 1 before, like 1, 2, and 3, read through that section. Before Eve sinned and Adam sinned, before sin entered the world, there was no death. So death is only the result of, of sin. But every time we sin, we also deserve death. Like, like if you commit a crime, you deserve to go to jail. When you and I sin, we deserve death. It is the consequence, the punishment, the, the justice that precedes sin. So we're kind of in a mess because the Bible says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I don't know about you, but I'm not the best at doing that all the time. Because even if I'm a good person, even if society views me as just the best guy out there, which isn't the case because I'm not perfect, 
But even if theoretically you were next to perfect, you still don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in every single thing that you do in every single moment. The best, the best, most righteous person on earth doesn't even come close to that. So we all have a sin problem. But because we have a sin problem, we actually, we've got, we've got, we've got some big, big problems because, because that means that we deserve death. The, this idea that Paul is talking about here of the, of the record of debt, um, in, in Roman culture, this would have been an actual piece of paper that basically had your debt, what you owed written on it. And if somebody say, say murdered someone, that is the piece of paper that would get put on the cross when that person was was crucified as the punishment for their actions. That piece of paper went on that cross to, to let everybody know what debt this person was paying for with their life. So it is so profound then when we have this problem that says basically like there's nothing that we can do to resurrect ourselves. There's nothing we can do to fix this death problem, but we are also stuck because we have nothing that we can do to fix this sin problem. And sin leads to death and we can't do anything about that. So we as humanity, we're kind of, we're kind of stuck. But this is where it's so profound when Jesus comes in and, he's, and it says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. See, these legal demands. Not just somebody did something you didn't like and you decide you had to go forgive them. This is no, like there's, there's actually, there's legal stuff going on. Like this is extremely serious. This is more like a court case than it is about uh, you, you forgiving your sibling or your parent or your husband or wife. This is, this is extremely serious. And somebody has to pay that debt. Now, somebody can maybe, like even in Roman culture, if I'm understanding right, that somebody could actually at times take the punishment for somebody else. You can fact check me on that. I'm not 100% sure. But that, that idea in principle. But somebody has to pay the debt. Somebody has to pay it down. Somebody has to take the consequence. And so by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this, the record of debt, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So this is fascinating. Jesus nailed the record of debt, that, that piece of paper that said, this person deserves death because of all of these things in their life. Jesus took that put it on a cross and took the punishment in our place. That piece of paper that signified everything you've ever done wrong, everything you will ever do wrong. Every time you turned your back on God, every time you missed the mark, Every time you didn't get it right, every time your intentions were askew, every time you hurt someone, every time you stole, every time you you did that thing that had society look down on you, whatever it is for you, that is written on that piece of paper. And it says that you deserve death for it. Jesus took it, put it on his cross, 
and paid the penalty in your place, in my place, in the place of everyone who accepts Jesus as Lord, and thus forgiving us of all our trespass. Not forgiveness in the sense of, or or just in the sense of, hey, I forgive you, but forgiveness in the sense of that debt that you once owed, you no longer owe anymore. And there's something so incredibly freeing in that. Because anytime I sin now, it's covered. Jesus paid the debt for it. When I go to God for forgiveness, I am going to him for forgiveness to mend our relationship. But I'm no longer going to him to for, for forgiveness for the penalty of that sin. Because he did that for me. If you've accepted Jesus, if you've asked him for forgiveness, for forgiveness. He has nailed your sin to the cross. He has paid the penalty for that sin. He's paid paid the death sentence penalty for that sin. And now you are free to live without the weight of that hanging over your shoulders. It's, it's absolutely incredible. This this legal debt that we we were held captive to, Jesus has paid off and we are now free and forgiven of all of our sin, all of our past, all of our future mistakes. Oh man, there's so much freedom in that. I hope you find that encouraging. So we are made alive. Jesus takes us from, from this place of spiritual death and he gives us new life in with his resurrection power. We are also forgiven, both relationally forgiven, like the relationship between us and God is mended, but also our debt has been forgiven and no longer hangs over us if we've accepted Jesus. But lastly, we are also victorious. And I want to read this last verse that we're looking at, uh, verse 15. It says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is referring to the demonic world. (laughs) I, I don't have time to get into that too, too deeply. But there are legitimately spiritual forces around us. And one of their favorite things to do is to accuse us, in, 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 to accuse that we are sinful, to accuse us that we are destined for death, to say that you're not good enough, to say you've done too much wrong, to say that you'll never be able to get back on your feet, to say that God could never love you because you did this, this, and this. And Jesus on the cross disarmed all of that. You see, they can the demonic can still speak those things, but there is no sub or a substance to what they are speaking. There's no weight to it. It doesn't mean anything. Because if you've accepted Jesus, all of your guilt, all of your shame, everything you've ever done wrong, anything that could ever separate you from God has already been dealt with. It is good for us to grieve our own sin. We should never be okay with it. But we also don't need to carry the guilt and the shame of our sin. Satan no longer has the power to make us feel that way. He can influence and he speaks lies all the time. But there are lies that everything we just read just steps right into the, into the face of, right into the midst of those lies and says those lies have no 
truth are grounded in nothing. They're purely trying to, to, to basically make it so you don't see what's going on in this passage. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. They try to make you and I feel shame. Jesus put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So if you feel, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus into your life, you've said, I'm choosing to live for him. I have asked for forgiveness and I trust that he, uh, I trust that he has washed me white as snow. I trust that he has nailed that, 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 that debt to the cross and paid the penalty. And I, and I believe that he has forgiven me. If, if that is you, he has disarmed the rulers and authorities and they have no authority anymore. They have no, they carry no weight. Their words have absolutely no truth. So I think that's just really cool. It's just three verses, but there's so much there. There's a freedom to not feel the weight, not feel guilt, not feel shame, to run to Jesus when we're in a mess because we know he's the one that gives life. He's the one that always forgives. He's the one that proved his love for us by, by, by sacrificing himself on the cross so that we could be free. So I just want to say, live in that freedom. Knowing that this is true, take advantage of it. Don't live in the guilt and the shame. Jesus already paid it all off. I hope this is freeing. I hope this is encouraging. And I hope this grounds us a little bit in knowing that we are forgiven relationally with God. And also, we are forgiven in the sense that our debt has been paid. It no longer hangs over us. And there is so much freedom in that. So I hope this encourages you. I hope you have an awesome day. Uh, uh, we'll catch you next time for Colossians see, uh, on all the different stuff we've got on the go. And uh, I hope you stay engaged with that stuff. We'll see you soon.